Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have spoken to us. We pray that we would be people who listen. We pray that we would be people who let you do your wonderful work of transformation in our hearts. So we pray now that that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit as we listen to what you have revealed to us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Try my... Oh, there we go. Good to go. If you're just joining us, uh, we are in part three of a four-part sermon series today that's uh, going along with the four chapters of the book that I have written. In part one, the idea, and I'll put this on the screen for you, the idea is that creation reveals its creator. We, any of us, can know simply by looking at what God has created that there must be a supernatural force behind this world. No other answer could make sense. There must be someone who made it all. And then the second part of this series was that the resurrection of Jesus shows us the power of God. So it's not that we are left to wonder which God created. God has specifically revealed to us who he is, and he has done so powerfully by raising Jesus from the dead. It's interesting. If you read the Old Testament, the people are told to look back at what God did in Egypt to rescue his people. That's how they were to know which God to worship. God would say many times, he was the God who brought them out of Egypt. What does he say to us in the New Testament? He is the God who raised his son from the dead. That is powerful proof that we should believe in the God of the Bible. Today what I want to do, and uh, I feel like some people, when they pick up my book, they might be surprised to see chapter 3 in there. They might say, oh, the Bible, really? You're going to trust what the Bible says? Well, I do. And my point today is that the Bible is the word of God. And I want to show you that there, there is especially one strong strong reason to believe that the Bible is the word of God. And and here it is. If the resurrection really happened, and and I gave you good evidence to believe that it did happen, the Bible gives even better evidence than I give, which that's the way it always goes. Uh, But if the resurrection really happened, then hear me on this. It's my big idea for today. We should have the same opinion of the Bible that Jesus does. If Jesus was shown by God to be the Son of God through his resurrection from the dead, that if he is alive again, was seen by over 500 people, it said, after his resurrection, and then ascended into heaven. If that is true, then we should listen to whatever Jesus says about spiritual truth because he is the expert. The the resurrection sets Jesus apart as the expert on spiritual truth, and we should listen to whatever he says And he had a lot to say about what we should believe about the Bible. And even more than that, the way that he lived his life shows his trust in the Bible. So again, we should have the same opinion of the Bible that Jesus does. Along these lines, there was once a voice that came from heaven to explain that we should listen to Jesus. In Matthew 17, 5, this is at the transfiguration. Remember, three of the apostles were with Jesus up on a mountain, and all of a sudden, uh, Moses and Elijah are there with Jesus, and Jesus is gleaming white. And remember the voice from heaven? Matthew 17, 5. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This This is God the Father telling us we should listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus was sent not only to die for our sins and to rise again, but also to teach us and to set us an example for how we should live our lives. So in my sermon today, I want to show you five things from the life of Jesus that should help us in having the same view of Scripture that Jesus does. 
So what does Jesus think about the Bible? Well, let's walk through these five lessons and let's line ourselves up with what Jesus showed us and what Jesus taught us. So number one, Jesus based his life and ministry on the Bible. One of the best places to go for this would be the temptation of Jesus. Remember that time where he was led into the desert uh, for 40 days and he was fasting and, and Satan came up to him after those 40 days and tempted him three times. And do you remember how Jesus answered each of the three temptations, Jesus said, it is written. That was a common phrase. I believe Jesus used it 29 times. When he was telling people he was about to say something that was really powerful, he would use that phrase, it is written. Meaning he is basing what he is going to say on scripture because it's God's word. And do you remember what Jesus said in this particular temptation where, where Satan asked Jesus to turn stones into bread? You can imagine how hungry Jesus would have been. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So to Jesus, the answer to temptation was to trust in the truth of Scripture. Just as food is important to our physical bodies, we can't live without it, so also Scripture is important to our spiritual life. We are to feast on the word of God. And I think what we see in the temptations of Jesus, and we see it many times in his life, is this complete reliance on what Scripture had said. He based his life and his ministry on it. And I want to look at just one more indication of this, because it shows Jesus' trust in Scripture even as he was facing death. In Matthew 26, remember the story, Jesus was getting arrested, and one of Jesus' followers took out his sword, and uh, we learned it was Peter in a different gospel, and we learned that he, he cut off the ear of one of the people that was trying to come and arrest Jesus. And, and what did Jesus do? Did he tell his followers, yeah, get your sword, stop this? No. Um, in fact, I, I want to read this for you. In the next verse, Jesus said, this is just fascinating to me, do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? It's like, Peter... Put your sword away. I could call on more than 12,000 angels to come right now. But then the next verse is the one that's really important for our discussion today. In verse 54, Jesus said, But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Even in his death, Jesus knew that his life must line up with what scripture said. And in all of this, Jesus set a pattern for us, basing his entire life on scripture. Now we could say, well of course he did, he's the son of God. But that misses the point because Jesus came to earth as a real human being and as such he set an example for us of how we should live. So I think when we look at the life of Jesus and how much he trusted in scripture, we should look at, at that and say, that's how I should trust scripture. I should have scripture ready on my lips when I'm getting tempted. I should trust in God's plan even when things aren't going my way. That's the pattern that Jesus set for us. Jesus fully trusted in Scripture. We should as well, and we should live on the Word of God. My second point today from the life of Jesus is that Jesus said Scripture cannot be broken. In John 10, Jesus was in a disagreement with some of the religious leaders of his day. That wasn't an uncommon thing for him. Uh, many of them didn't believe in Jesus. And in those discussions, Jesus would often pull out the trump card, quoting Scripture. And that should have ended the argument because these religious leaders should have at least seen the authority of Scripture that Jesus was saying to them. But it's interesting. In this discussion in, in John 10 where Jesus is disagreeing with the religious leaders, Jesus quoted the Old Testament, but then he added a little side note in there. 
that, that speaks powerfully to us. In the midst of that discussion, Jesus said in John 10.35, and the scripture cannot be broken. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, on the Bible, scripture cannot be broken. Whatever opinions we might hold don't matter when scripture tells us what is true. But I want, to think, I want you to think about what that, that statement that Jesus made, scripture cannot be broken. I want you to think about the context of that statement. By the time Jesus came to earth, the Old Testament was already widely read and circulated. For hundreds of years, the Old Testament, the, what we would now call the 39 books of the Old Testament, it, it was widely circulated. So when he said scripture, he wasn't talking about something that was hidden in a cave just for one person to see. He was talking about something that, that many, many people over thousands of miles knew about, had read about, had been studying for hundreds of years. And for Jesus to say that scripture cannot be broken means that he affirmed the entire Old Testament. I think that's pretty fascinating. Notice what Jesus didn't say. He, he didn't say, well, those Old Testament authors, bless their hearts, they were just doing their best to try to figure out spiritual truths, as if to give them like a B- on their project or something. That's not what Jesus did. Nor did Jesus come with a list of, of some scripture passages that you should really read these, but then he had another list, like, don't read these because they just missed the boat. Or Jesus didn't come with a scissors to cut out parts of the Old Testament. He didn't come with a red pen to correct any of it. He didn't even, and this might be important for some of us, he didn't even tell us to skip over the boring stuff if there were such a thing. It's the opposite, actually, of all that. Jesus affirmed the Old Testament, every word of it. He said it cannot be broken. He affirmed that human authors empowered by the human, excuse me, empowered by the Holy Spirit, wrote the Word of God. And again, we should have the same opinion of the Bible that Jesus does. Let's move on to point number three. Jesus said his words would never pass away. Now, in my last two points, I showed you what Jesus thought about Old Testament Scripture, that it's the Word of God and that it cannot be broken. In this point, I want to move forward to part of the New Testament, specifically the words of Jesus. In Matthew 24, Jesus said something about his own words that sounds a lot like what he said in John 10 when he said, Scripture cannot be broken. Matthew 24, 35, he said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So just like Old Testament Scripture cannot be broken, so also Jesus' words will remain forever. What Jesus said will endure and this, this point is pretty simple and pretty obvious, and I think a lot of people understand this one, that when we have the words of Jesus, we have the word of God. And, and again, that's what God told us at the Transfiguration when he said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. But let's just take a step back for a moment and see where we are. So, number one, I told you that, that Jesus based his life in ministry on the Bible, telling us that the word of God is like food for us, Number two, I said that Jesus said that Scripture cannot be broken, thus validating the entire Old Testament. And then, just as I showed you in point number three, Jesus said that his words would never pass away, putting them on par with Scripture. But what about the rest of the New Testament? Some people would say, well, I'll, I'll trust what Jesus said, but, but the rest of those people who wrote about him later, should we believe what they said? Is there any reason that we should suggest from the life of Jesus that, that the rest of New Testament scripture should be called scripture on the same level as the Old Testament and on the same level as Jesus' words. I think there is. I want to show you that now in point number four. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would reveal God's truth. 
The night before Jesus was crucified, he had a really important meeting with his apostles. You can read about it in John 13 through 17. And, and think about the, the weight of that moment. Jesus knew that he was going to be put to death, and, and yes, he knew that he would rise again and spend a few more weeks with his apostles, but then he would go up to heaven. And from our standpoint, we might say then that the apostles would be left to themselves. But that's not the way that Jesus saw it. In John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, now we might think from a human standpoint, like, oh boy, I, I hope I remember all that Jesus said to me. Well, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come and remind them of those things. And then later in that conversation, this is two chapters later, but it's still in that same evening, in John 16, 14, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So here we have two verses about what the Holy Spirit would continue to do to get God's message to us even after Jesus had, had raised from the dead and gone into heaven. In fact, I want to read some of the context of that last verse. So I'll leave uh, these two verses up on the screen, but I want to read the two verses surrounding John 16, 14. So this is starting in verse 13. Says this, so this is Jesus speaking to the apostles. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So do you see what Jesus is promising here in John 14 and 16? He's promising that the Holy Spirit would come to them to, to teach them and to remind them of what Jesus said and that the apostles then would be able to pass that on to other people. Now I actually believe that that's a, it's a similar thing that goes on for us today that the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus said and, and teaches us all things as well. Uh, but specifically, as we think about Scripture and God's plan to get his word to us and to the rest of his people, I want you to see the power of the Holy Spirit and really the power of the Trinity in all of this. Um, I want to quote just a, a few lines from my book, starting at the bottom of page 44. I wrote it this way. In these two verses, so that's the, the two verses that are still up on your screen. In these two verses, we see the plan of God the Father to send God the Holy Spirit to the followers of Jesus in order to remind them what Jesus said and to make known the things that belong to Jesus. That plan soon came to fruition as the followers of Jesus wrote down what they saw and heard. Every member of the Trinity is involved in the process of the writing of scripture. It is because of these truths, as well as for other reasons, we believe that God can get his perfect truth to us, even through human authors. Some people would look at the Bible and say, it's just man's best attempt to try to understand God. That is not what Jesus said. That is not what Jesus asks us to believe about the Word of God. Remember, Jesus affirmed the entire Old Testament as the Word of God, even though it was written by human authors. Jesus knew how the Bible came about. It was written by human authors, yet he said it's the Word of God and it cannot be broken. And then he promised the Holy Spirit to come and do, to do the exact same kind of thing for us in the writing of the New Testament. Again, Jesus didn't come with a red pen to correct the Bible. He affirmed it as the word of God. And, and listen to how this is stated then by one of the authors in the New Testament. This is an important passage for the word of God. 
in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He said, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How much of scripture is useful? All of it, because it is all breathed by God. God uses it to teach us and to correct us. And I love what it says there, that, that God uses it to equip us thoroughly for every good work. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ephesians 2.10 that says that God has prepared good works in advance for us to walk around in. So think about that. We've just been talking recently about the God who created the sun and the moon and the stars and, and the Grand Canyon and all, all these other majestic things that we could look at that point to the one who is majestic. The same God who created all of that is the God who has lined up things personally and individually for each one of us to walk around in. So if you picture your life as like a path, you can picture these things on it that God has prepared for you to do. Now, we might think, well, I'm not sure I'm ready for those things. That sounds really important. How can I, how can I sufficiently handle those tasks that God has given me to do? Well, look again at this verse. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God gave us his word to strengthen us for what he wants us to do. And if we were to back up this passage, just one more verse, we learn something else really important about Scripture. We learn that it leads us to salvation. In 2 Timothy 3.15, the Apostle Paul is talking to the younger Timothy, and he's reminding him of the power of Scripture in regard to salvation, and he says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It is of utmost importance that we would know about salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we are to, to trust fully in Jesus, that we are not to trust in ourselves, that, that we are to follow the path that God has for us and not the path of our own choosing. The, the Bible calls that, that transition that we would make from trusting in ourselves to trusting in God, it, it's called faith. It's called believing in Jesus. And Scripture teaches us about that so that we might be made wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's very similar to what Jesus said in John 5:24 when he said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So what I hope you've seen so far is that we can put together a solid case from the life and from the words of Jesus Christ that we should have the same opinion of Scripture that he has, that the Bible is the Word of God. But let's look at one more lesson because, as always, I don't just want these to be truths that we would simply agree to in our minds. I, I want to get to the heart level here now. And I, I want to show you something in point number five. Jesus said that God's Word is truth. And, and what I want to show you here is that there's something powerful that this truth will do in us. In John 17, so that's still in that same part of the Bible where Jesus is speaking to his followers the night before he was crucified, Jesus prayed. He was praying to the Father, but apparently he was praying out loud because uh, apparently the Apostle John was able to hear this prayer and then later on write it down for us. And there's one verse that's in there that's important for us as we consider Jesus' view of Scripture. He prayed in John 17:17, 17, 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus prayed that his followers would be sanctified, and that word simply means made holy. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to increase in holiness as we follow him. It means that, that God is at work reshaping us into the image of God himself. 
And notice how Jesus prayed that that would happen. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now that little phrase in there, your word is truth, did Jesus say that for God's benefit? So Jesus is praying to the Father. Did he need to remind God that God's word is truth? I don't think so. I think that was kind of Jesus giving a little aside to his followers and to to us, uh, to those of us that would read it later, to remind us that the word of God is truth and that God will sanctify us. He will make us holy according to it. We all should strive to grow in holiness. And we should recognize that our growth in holiness will happen as Jesus prayed it would because God will answer that prayer of Jesus. I believe he continues to answer that prayer that we will be made holy according to the truth of God's word. God will do amazing things in us as we cling to the truth of God. God will change your life as you humble yourself continually before his word. And that's why I'm such a big fan of all of us being regular in God's word. There's something powerful that goes on, and I know it doesn't always feel like it. Okay, I've, I've been reading God's word regularly for about 25 years, and I know that it doesn't always feel like a, a powerful, earth-shattering event that's going on. Sometimes it feels very normal. Sometimes, uh, from a human standpoint, we might even say that it feels boring. We might, we might look at our Bible and feel like we should open it, but not want to. But I want to I encourage you to remember what happens when we open up our Bible humbly and meet with God. What happens is that God answers that prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified. And again, think of, think of the important things that were going on in Jesus' mind as he's about to go to his death for us. And one of the things that he wanted to remind us is that God will make us holy according to the truth of God's word. So we should be people then who continually and humbly come before God and let his word do that wonderful work in our hearts. That leads me to the conclusion for today. God gave us a book. Let's be people who listen. I have shown you today Jesus' opinion of Scripture, and, and it's more than an opinion, really. He is the expert on spiritual truth, and he told us that the word of God cannot be broken. As such, we should listen to every word that the Bible says. We should listen to what Jesus tells us about the Bible, and he has a lot to say about it. Again, I find it fascinating that he didn't warn us to treat the Bible as simply the words of man. Remember, Jesus did that about another topic. He was talking about some religious leaders who had come up with some extra rules, and he clearly told us, don't follow their traditions. Their traditions will not lead you in the right direction. That's not at all what Jesus said about Scripture. He told us that we are to feast on it as if it were food for our souls. So what should our response be? Well, again, we should be people who meet regularly with God. And one of the most important things that I can tell you as your pastor, and I've said it repeatedly and I'll say it again if you let me, is that we should be in the regular habit of meeting with God in his word. But that requires two things. First, we need to make time for God's word. We, as human beings, make time for what's important in life. Have you ever noticed this? And let me prove this to you. We make time for family, right? Some, now, sometimes there might be some things that get in the way. Oh, I had, a, I had a meeting that went late and I couldn't do this thing. But overall, look at the pattern of your life. You make time for family because family is important to you. Or think of another one, eating. Now, I, I've heard some of you say, oh, I was so busy that I missed a meal. That's never happened to me. I've, I've, 
or, you know, I've never forgotten to eat it. There, there's been times where I have missed a meal, but it's usually on purpose. Um, because, and, and here's what I'd like to say. If you missed one meal, you probably didn't miss your next meal, did you? Because we know that we need food to eat. Now think about it. Jesus told us that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What place then should Scripture have in our lives? It should have a regular place. And I would even like to suggest to you, it's not even just that, that once a day that you open up your Bible, although I highly recommend that you do that. Find at least one time a day where you open up the Bible and meet humbly with God. But then, I've, over the last couple of years, I've been thinking about how I want other influences of Scripture in my life as well. And that can happen in a variety of ways. One great way is to, is to sing worship songs that have Scripture in them. And, and as you hear those songs, you can meditate about the scriptural truths that are in them. Another great way for this to happen is to just talk with the people around you about Scripture. Talk with your family. Talk with your friends. Just bring up Scripture as you're going through daily life. And then another great way that can happen is that you build other things into your regular schedule of your week. Things like coming to church, where you'll hear a sermon on the Word. At least at Cornerstone, you'll hear a sermon on God's Word. Or being regularly involved in a Bible study is another great way to let God's Word have its rightful place in your lives. But I think that we should be people who make room for what's important in our lives, and I think the Word of God is very important. I think we should feast on it. But it's not even just about letting God's word hit our eyeballs or our eardrums because the second point is we need to let scripture soak into our hearts meditating on scripture is so much more than just looking at the words of the Bible don't let the Bible just be ink and paper it is the living and active word of God and as we read it we should read it humbly we should read it recognizing that it is what Jesus said it is that it's the word of God and that it can't be broken and that it will sanctify us it will make us holy let it hit your heart. As you're reading or listening to Scripture, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And this is fascinating because who is the author of the Holy Spirit? Well, according to 2 Peter 1, uh, I'm sorry, who is the author of the Bible? I gave away the answer there. <laughs> according to 2 Peter 1, it's the Holy Spirit. And think about this. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we also receive the Holy Spirit. So the author of the Bible lives in us. So when we open up our Bible and we're humble and our hearts are ready to meet with God, the Holy Spirit is right there in the midst of that process pointing out things specifically to our heart. There might be something, and this has happened to me at, at church before when I, when I haven't been preaching, that the, the preacher is talking about one thing and he puts a scripture passage up there and I see the scripture passage and God hits me in a totally different way than what the pastor said. And if that happens to you, I am glad to take second seat to the Holy Spirit on that. But that's, that's not just when you're listening to a sermon, that's when you, whenever you're reading God's word or talking about God's word with somebody else. Be humble, listen to what the Holy Spirit is pointing out to you specifically in your heart as you read. And if you do these things, if you make time for God's word and let it soak into your heart, God will do exactly what Jesus prayed for you. He will sanctify you. He will make you holy. God will change us as we humble ourselves before his word. And I want to just repeat that. It's the last thing I'll say here in my sermon before we pray. God will change us as we humble ourselves before his word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for how you have done it through human authors. You have done it through sending your Son. You have done it through the Holy Spirit.
who also lives in us. And we pray that we would be people who both make time for your word and who meditate on your word, letting it soak into our hearts. So God, would, would you please change us? And, and maybe we need to be changed in our attitude towards scripture. So if there's something in our hearts that's wrong, a, a wrong attitude we've had towards scripture, we pray that we would hear your truth today about your word. Or if it's something in us that needs to change about our our practice, about getting into the Word and listening to you, making time for it, we pray that you would give us wisdom to know how to do that. Or if we need to grow in our ability in our uh, in our ability to meditate on your Word, we pray that you would help us to do that. Would you please strengthen us in the power of the Holy Spirit, not just to hear, but also to listen and to obey what is in your Word. And then, God, we just close by praying what Jesus prayed for us, that you would sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.